Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Welcome back to Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study Broadcast. We're glad you could join us and be a part of our family. Before we get into the Word, but Charles, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. I just invite your Holy Spirit in to minister to us what you have for us to share today, Lord. And just thank you for all the people listening to the Lord and that you continue to grow them up in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, good morning and welcome. And Dean, welcome. Good morning. For, for those that are, are listening, we are joined today by our our good friend Dean and brother in Christ, Dean. Mm. So we are blessed and excited to have you with us and study the Word together. Thank so. you. Glad to be here. Awesome. So let's get to the Word, shall we? Mm-hmm. We are continuing our study in Daniel chapter 5. Could I get a volunteer to read the first four verses, please? I will. All right, I promise. <laughs> Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast for thousands of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousands. Of the thousands, sorry. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had been had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem. That the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines may drink from him. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the kings and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine, drank wine, and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, Wait, just for sure. we're going to pause right there for just a second, sweetheart. All right, so, as always, I want to open up the floor and allow everyone to have the opportunity to share what the Holy Spirit's ministering to you. And, of course, if there are any questions, please feel free to ask. All right? Okay. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. If you guys will flip me to Daniel chapter 2. Which verse? We'll start at verse 31. Is everybody there? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. The image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its leg of iron, its feet partially of iron and partly of clay. O king. We read verse 4 where they're praising the gods of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, and iron. I found it interesting that it was among the stuff that Nebuchadnezzar had in his dream. All the three parts basically were there, considering stone like clay. You had the gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Those were the three that they specifically said... So I found it interesting that they praised it and 
I actually have to say this thought too after we cover some things in this chapter. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. You want to explain a little bit more? So yes, they were worshiping gods of this, which means they were made from it. Right? That was the materials that that the whatever gods that these people were worshiping were made from. Right? Yes. Okay. So not that they were worshiping gold, silver. It was the material. Could have made it out of wood, right? Yes. I was just saying that's going to be jumping the gun a bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're going to put your gun back in the holster yeah. <laughs> for a second. That's fine. Did anybody else have something they wanted to say? No, we. I need to finish this other section first. Okay. Layla? I mean, Kyla? I'm sorry. Mommy. <laughs> I was looking at her. Sorry. <laughs> No, I just found it interesting that Belshazzar, he was throwing a feast. You can see he was clearly just made king. So he was having a party. Like, everybody, look at what my daddy has. Let's use it all. And But he wasn't very wise in his actions. Okay. And while he brought out everything expensive just to show people, it's not really necessary, but also that he had his con- his concubines there in the presence of his wives. Those, in history, those two groups never mixed. Is that right? Yes, like the wives didn't like the concubines, and the concubines didn't like the wives. Right, for obvious reasons. Yes. yes. So mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying. It. So what you're saying is it gives insight into... His mentality. His, yes, and spiritual condition. Right, because let's, let's recall. All right, let's take a step back here. As we wrapped up chapter 4, his father, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Yes. Well, and how he wrote what he was writing, which, again, it almost seemed like a, a letter form of uh, a testimony, if you will, and facts acknowledging these are the things that happened to him and the experiences as a result of putting himself in the Lord's place or attempting to and worship himself and everything that the Lord had actually blessed him with, thinking he had done it on his own. And here we have his son who, as, as you said, or we're alluding to, there is some, some insight into his spiritual state already where... Um, it's not about mixing groups that shouldn't mix necessarily, but it's the the fact that there was there was no difference, if you will, in um he treated uh, right. So I'll say it in this way. We'll go back to Jeremiah, if you will, and in Jeremiah, <coughs> the Lord told Jeremiah in chapter fifteen, "If you return to me, you can be my spokesperson." But then he also admonishes him to be able to teach the people how to separate the holy from the profane. Even with the vessels that Belshazzar had taken from his father's treasure, if you will, right? Because it says that back in the beginning of Daniel, how when they carried stuff from the Lord's temple, or Solomon's temple, which was the house of the Lord, and where did he put them? He stored all those things vessels, right, and all the stuff that came from the house of the Lord with his treasures. Right? And there's a scripture, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. 
But there's a difference. There were vessels that were consecrated, dedicated for the service and use of the Lord. But here, Belshazzar makes no distinguishable difference. He treated them as the same. And clearly they are not. Yes. And that failure to acknowledge right, shows whether it's just a, I'll say an ignorance, as in there was a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge concerning the difference, or out of spite. We don't know. We weren't there. I'm not judging. Mm-hmm. But just, these are things that we have to consider. We treated them as, as equal, as, as there was no distinguishable difference when the reality is they are very different. So it does give some insight into the spiritual state, right? Because that's what we as believers, as Christians, should be able to do is distinguish or, you know, what's holy from what is not mm-hmm. in all actions, not just in vessels and things dedicated to the Lord, but ourselves, our own lives, every aspect of our life. What is of the Lord and what is not? Fortunately, we also have his Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to bring us in all truth, wisdom, and knowledge concerning all things. As we have seen time and time again, even just discussing Daniel. Yes. Dean, did you have some thoughts? Well, I just think it's interesting that, um, you know, in general, people want to deny God, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't exist, and yet we're told that all creation points to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so um, when we look at that, there is a clear understanding where those articles of gold and silver came from. That's right. And there was a knowledge of that that was passed down through the kings from Nebuchadnezzar into um, that. And it, it carries forth, you know, if we go into Ezra, that's what I was thinking about, just... Mm-hmm how they recognize it. And I thought one verse, I couldn't find it, but um, when Cyrus says, take these articles mm-hmm. to go rebuild the temple, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. uh, this is another king later. Right. And But I thought he said, of your great God, but just as of the house of God. So there was still a knowledge of where those came from. Yep. But I, I think, you know, Belshazzar even had no regard for anything sacred, mm-hmm. whether it was from a secular standpoint or from holy to the Lord, because the articles were in the gods of Babylon in their temple. So they're already, they were, they were raised up probably as look at what our God did for us that he delivered these things from another God to us. So he had no regard for anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can also see that he didn't take to heart what happened to his father. Cause in the, the chapter four, he's, he's literally like a wild beast eating grass wet with, you know, his, the hair on the skin turned to feather like things and, until he did what? Humbled Acknowledged God. Exactly. Until he, he put himself in the right place and exalted God in his own mind. And then it also makes you think, sometimes when we as parents don't start out doing the right thing, it's hard for our children to take it to heart later on. Um, and what do I mean by that? For example, if you, you, know, you grow up and you raise your children in a secular way, and then you come to Christ later on, sometimes it's hard for them to really fully believe that you have made the conversion to Christ and that it is in fact a better way because they've been brought up, you know, from point A to point B living in a secular manner. And is it, am I saying this to bring um, condemnation on anyone? Absolutely not. But it's, it's to add grace to the children that were raised in that state to give them 
time to allow them to come to see God for who he is, but also to caution the younger ones coming up, you know, you four sitting in front of me are young people. And it's hard for us as young people to have foresight of the value of living and maintaining a holy life before the Lord because you kind of don't see the benefit. Well, what does it matter if I take this in right now? What does it matter if I, if I veer from the course that God has called me to? Who cares? It's just me. It's just one decision. It's just my life. Well, actually, no. There are generations that are going to come after you that are going to reap the benefit and eat the fruit of what choices you make today. So the choice for God today will have a great implication for the lineage and the lines coming behind you. Right. So think about that. I, and I understand youth says I'm in, I'm invincible and tomorrow will never come live for today. Get all you can eat all you want. I get that. And that's the concept and the mentality of the world around us. But in Christ, he desires for us to live holy because he's holy, but because he also knows what's coming in the future. So not just for your well-being, but for your children after you. That was one of the comments that he made about Abraham, that he knew that he would train his children up to follow the Lord. So that meant before Abraham reproduced with his wife, he had already come into a knowledge of God and was already patterning his life in a way to please the Lord. So when his children came forward, he was able to pass that legacy down to them. And money and wealth is nice. But nothing compares with the wisdom that comes from the Lord. Nothing compares from a a heritage of his spiritual um, standing and a a place in relationship with Jesus Christ. Because wealth can never fill God's place, but God can take care of everything. A spouse can never fill God's place, but God can take care of everything. So the principal thing, the principal Um, value should be placed on our relationship and covenant with Jesus Christ and living a life that's holy unto him because of such all the benefits. um, Yeah. Because of all the benefits that he has in that relationship. And then to, to build off of that, right. You talked about how we live matters. It does because it, it does what our children and those around us are observing our lifestyle. Not just what we say, but our actions, what we do. And then sometimes, many times, those speak louder than what our words say. Not the words don't matter, they absolutely do. But our words and our actions, how we live, should be in harmony, in unison, not sending conflicting or mm-hmm. contradicting messages. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? Seeds are being planted. Right? And what are what do children do, especially? They're like little recorders and they imitate the actions that they observe around them, especially from their parents. There's a, an emulation that happens. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll see this play out here in the next section, right, okay. uh, a little bit, and we'll discuss that in more detail. Mm-hmm. But to bring this back full circle, how did Christ live? And remember, Christ is our pattern and example. He only said what the Father said. He only did what the Father did. Why? Because it matters. And as a result is also, like I said, our pattern example today mm-hmm. and for eternity. How we should live, how we should conduct ourselves. And which is also why we need to be conformed to his image. Mm-hmm. Not him conforming to ours. Right. And just for the, the parents that may not have started out raising their families in relationship and covenant with God, 
there's still hope for you. And if your children are grown and you're just coming to him and you're saying, I wish my children were saved, how do I go about doing that? All is not lost. God is, he is the God of the breakthrough and he is a God of restoration and redemption and he loves us. So one thing to do is, first of all, add grace to your, your children and grace to yourself. Um, bring all that under the blood of Jesus Christ. Ask God, you know, begin to pray for your children and not nag them and beat them over the head with it, but love them. It's the goodness of God that draws others into relationship with him. The same thing that brought you in is what will bring them in, which is the love of God and the goodness of God. So be patient with your children. Pray for them and cast your cares on Jesus. And your your prayer can be something like this, God, um, God send laborers into feel into the the path of my children to minister to them lord soften my children's hearts so that they are able to see you um cause the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened so they know what is the hope of the calling that comes from you jesus christ and in relationship with you and then plead the blood of jesus over them their minds their Mm -hmm. eyes their physical bodies their households in the name of jesus and saturate them and surround them with faith and with love, because those things never fail. Those things will remain. And um, begin to allow Jesus to take his course in them. Don't rush them. Don't badger them. Let Jesus be God in their life. And then begin to thank God. Once you release that prayer of faith, take it by faith. You know, you guys hear me say, I love Gloria Cope. And she goes, take it. You have to receive it by faith. And then you have to Thank God because you've already got the answer. And when you see your children, just love them. Just be grace to them. Be sweet to them. Be good to them. Be kind to them. And let the gentleness of God be known from you towards them. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then we're going to pray about that before we close out today Absolutely. for those families as well. And, and also, don't be afraid to have the conversations with them, right? Not Again, it's not badgering or, mm-hmm. or anything, right? But... Your children are going to ask questions. Well, how come or why did you used to do this or act in this way, and now you're you're saying that it was wrong, right? They're, it's okay to have those discussions. But let's when you have the discussion, give it in the perspective of how the Holy Spirit's leading you, which is how it connects and relates to the Word and our how we as Christians believers should act, should conduct ourselves. Because guess what? It's a walk of faith. We're not perfected, right? And we should be able to acknowledge, hey, I fell short here. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to beat myself up over it, but hey, I didn't do everything right. And as as a result of that, yes, I can say, here are the, here are the areas that I failed, right? Now the Lord has, has built me up and, and all those things, right? But now here's why, you know, articulate or articulating the the why, the actions, the behaviors associated with, I'll say, the old man were incorrect, mm-hmm. right? It, we all have to work out our own soul salvation. And the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, brings that knowledge forth, right, as we seek to learn to grow in him. But then also we are to pass that along, as you pointed out, honey, like with Abraham. Abraham's going to teach his children about me. Mm-hmm. And we are to do the same, the future generations. That is the legacy. It's the legacy, the inheritance of Christ and Christ in us. 
-hmm. which is more than any amount of money or whatever else you could Mm -hmm. leave. This is the greatest thing. Any Mm -hmm. questions? Any? No. No. Anything you want to add, Dean? You know, it's... The wonderful thing about God's Word is, is as we explore it, it will continue to expand. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is not stagnant as living and active. And okay. it all meets us where we are mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so it, we have lots of different generations in this room. And so um, speaking from a father who um, can look back and realize the areas where I could have done better um, in setting the example of living a Christ life um, I also can trust in God's sovereignty that his will and his plan is perfect, and I am incapable of circumventing his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And so remaining thankful wherever you are, there's, it's okay to have some healthy discontent, but leave it where it is. You know, Express it and then move on and move into a place of praise and thankfulness mm-hmm. about these things. Like you said, take hold of that faith mm-hmm. and, and deal with it right then. Don't go mm-hmm. back and revisit it. Don't That's be right. discontent before the Lord about what he's doing. Trust him mm-hmm. that he knows what he's doing and his timing is going to be fine and enjoy your process of maturation mm-hmm. and growth and development and let that be your biggest testimony to your children. Absolutely. 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 Amen. Thank you for that, Dean. Amen. Promise? You ready to rock and roll starting in verse 5? Yes. Okay. All right. Can you read through verse 12, please? Yes. All right, sir. Go for it. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against one another. The king, cri- the king cried aloud to bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me his interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all of king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing, nor recognize the king's interpretation. Then the king Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts Thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy God, and in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your your father, the king, made him chief of magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas. 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 
were found in a Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Thank you, sweetheart. All right, LaCharles Knight. Let's hear it, sir. Chopping at the bit over there. I found it interesting when Belshazzar was calling again all the Chaldeans, the astrologers, and the soothsayers. He obviously had seen that it it didn't work for Nebuchadnezzar, and he still wanted to try like Nebuchadnezzar did with the second (laughs) dream. He thought, okay, that was just something that happened once. I can go back to these people. But you can see that he, some things he emulated his father like mommy and dad were talking about but some things he didn't take to heart he just looked at and said oh well that's not gonna happen to me (laughs) (laughs) and then i also found it interesting when the queen came in and told him about daniel and how he should call that um i just found it interesting that somebody else had to intervene nebuchadnezzar had at least had the sense to say okay it's time to come back to the Lord, and he got himself right, essentially, at the end of his trials. But you can see Belshazzar was still content with doing it his own way and still trying to sin and push his way through. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, sir. That's think- good. Oh, Kyla had something. Sorry, Layla. I was reminded of the scripture... Um, when they were drinking and how the writing appeared on the wall, I was reminded of the scripture wherein Jesus said, don't say to yourself, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. I was like, oh, poor king. Because he didn't know. He thought he was having a good time and showcasing his new gained splendor. Mm-hmm. But now it's cost himself. And like Bubby with Charles pointed out, he still called all the same people that he knew clearly didn't work or was able to help his king, his father, the king. And it was interesting. The queen came and petitioned and told him of Daniel and that Daniel's the only one that will be able to interpret the dreams and quickly call him. But that Belshazzar didn't have that knowledge or insight himself. Wait, but he mm-hmm. did know. He had watched his father all these years <coughs> of trying to do the magic and the Chaldeans and saw that it didn't work. So he did know. Did he choose to follow it? No. That's, they're two totally different things, being told and not choosing to do the right thing and just genuinely not knowing. To him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it's sin. So he saw his father, Nebuchadnezzar, and what he done, but what he chose to do was ignore and go, uh, it doesn't apply to me. I'm too good for this. And that's why his knees were knocking in his bedroom. <laughs> okay. So it's an interesting perspective. It is. There's but there's truth in that because clearly well the hand of God showed up Absolutely. to write. So there's there's a, an accountability that was made manifest, right? So God held yes. him accountable for what was being done. So clearly God did expect him to learn from his father and take upon himself that humility. Right? And yes. yes. And in my knowledge of God, before he shows up with the big and heavy things, he comes with a still small voice. And speaks directly to you. And by the time <laughs> the hard and heavy showed up, he had long ignored <laughs> the 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 simple the small things. But like we said before, he still had that, that huge huge example that his father went through. How could you watch your dad 
the great, I'm making air quotes, the great king eating grass like a wild beast and not recognize God. If you saw the consequences of his actions, how could you not take that to heart and go, hmm, two plus two is four. But that's also what we we counsel you guys about regularly. Don't think that sin is going to turn out any differently for you. Don't think you're going to have a different outcome than the others that sin before you. The end of sin brings forth death. That's all it's for, right? The yes. the enemy comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, and when sin brings forth its fullness, it always produces death. It doesn't produce something good for you and then death in someone else. This is just what it is. So don't try to test the waters. You know, I was the queen of that when I was younger. How close can I get? How how much can I put into that thing without actually doing it? I'm I'm doing the near touch or I'm almost there. Where I'm, it's oh, just my toe. Time. Yeah, it's just my toe in the, the pool of sin, not my whole body. That's so much better, isn't it, Lord? No, because before you know it, it will consume the whole part of you and still bring forth death. So um, I appreciate that. And late Kyla, the scripture you're talking about is Luke chapter 12, um, verse 16 through 21. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So... You're welcome, sweetheart. It's also in three other places in Scripture. Uh, Isaiah 22, 3, 13, excuse me. Isaiah 22, 13, Proverbs 23, 35, and 1 Corinthians 15, 32. Do you want to select those up? Nope, nope. Just for your own Just point of reference. References. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that same thing is, is mentioned multiple times throughout Scripture. So why? For our benefit. So mm-hmm. we can learn from it. Right, It'll, we'll take the uh, in school when the teacher stomps twice. It's important, right? Let's know this. Right, <laughs> this is mentioned four times. This specific thing is mentioned four times. This specific principle concept, as you always mentioned, why? So we can learn from it mm-hmm. and not make the same mistake that we see throughout Scripture. Mm-hmm. But here's the other side of that: when you do what God asks you to do. Just like the people in the word of God that were able to inherit the promise of God or be, mm-hmm. it'd be accounted to them as righteousness. When you stretch forth your faith, when you exalt the Lord, you are sure to be, it'd be, it to be accounted to you as righteousness. So you should take heart and comfort. It's not as though there's all this fullness on the side of sin and denying God and it's empty on the side of listening and hearkening to the voice of God's word. There. On the contrary, we learned from chapter 4 that God is the one who promoted Nebuchadnezzar. God is the one who gave him all those things. And like it says at the verse 21 of Luke 12, he says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So God wants you, he's okay with you having treasure. You know, to whatever, I'm not saying everybody's a millionaire, I'm not saying that. But 
to whatever amount it is, whatever good thing that God gives you to enjoy, he wants you to have it, but he wants you to have it with him on top. He wants God to be the biggest part of your life and your perspective, and you be thankful towards him for what he blessed you with, not thinking that you gained it for yourself. You have somehow acquired it and done well for yourself, but just being appreciative. Yes. Anyone else have anything they want to add? Can I throw a wrench in? Absolutely. Throw it in there. <clears throat> well, you, you know, your, com- your comments, Kamisha, about um, when we were verse 1 through 4 mm-hmm. and talking about our children and being purposeful and deliberate in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we also talked about accepting where we are in that journey, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. And, and, and accepting God's sovereignty in that. Yep. But it is rare for people to deliberately impart the things of God, especially to their children. Um, it is easier to default the other way. And mm-hmm. if we do not take action, the default will be the things of the world, the things of the flesh, and the things of the devil. They will not be the things of God. Absolutely. They must be imparted, especially to children. Now, Absolutely. by God's grace, and the Holy Spirit intercedes sometimes and leads us in his own way and develops that longing in us where mm-hmm. we seek after ourselves. But most often, especially when we're younger, that's not the case. It's the, it's it's having somebody impart that into us. So um, for me, um, I have no knowledge that Belshazzar had any knowledge of anything of his father, Nebuchadnezzar, because the, the word doesn't give us that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would see it the other way, not that Belshazzar knew what his father went through, but in fact that his fa- he did not know what his father went through, and that's why we see the fruit that we see with that. Um that's the potential there, at least especially in this section. We're not given like, you know, um, a sidestep trying to make the point in that mm-hmm. in Proverbs, mm-hmm. you know, Proverbs is loaded with wisdom. And Absolutely. any individual verse can be pulled out of there and dissected. We could spend weeks on any one of them, mm-hmm. the yes. depth of wisdom and knowledge that are there. But there's also the pattern, and specifically, my son, my son. My son, give heed to my words. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you what's going to happen. When you're walking down the street and a girl looks at you a certain way, it's going mm-hmm. to do something to you, right? I'm going to tell you in advance so you have knowledge of this before it happens to mm-hmm. you. So the, the pattern of Proverbs is very deliberate, intentional, imparting, letting them know how the world is going to rise up the flesh in you, and this is how you use God's word and your relationship with him to combat that and move into the things of God. So we have that pattern it's exemplified that you and John are living out with your children. But I don't know that there's any, that, that Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, Belshazzar, I need to sit down mm-hmm. with you. we got to have a chat. Right. I, I need to let you know right. what, what my pride did. And I need to be transparent with you and say, yeah. I failed, in fact, in a moment when I knew God was giving me unction in my spirit mm-hmm. to not be prideful and exalt myself. I chose to do it anyway. And for that, the Lord took me out into the wilderness for seven years to live like a beast. I don't want you to make that mistake, my son. I love you too much for that. Let yep. me let me teach you how to humble yourself, but not to bring that pride up. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we have to be careful in that. I, I mm-hmm. see it as this is the fruit of not doing that. Right. And we shouldn't be surprised that he acted this way. Yes and no. So because he became king, the kings left writings of what they did, which at the end of chapter 4... Nebuchadnezzar made a writing. So you're right. He probably didn't sit him down and go, son, you know, that man to man, eyeball to eyeball talk that Solomon was writing in the Proverbs to his son. And he also referenced, my dad told me this when I was just a young Mm -hmm. boy to my father and I was still, you know, a 
a sparkle in my mother's eye. <laughs> That's my translation of that. Yeah. When I was this, my dad taught me these things and this is what has kept me. But just from the standpoint, so he didn't have that that godly pass down. I don't I, I agree with you there. He probably did not have that man to man talk and mm-hmm. this is what changed my life becoming king. Um but Nebuchadnezzar left writings. Absolutely. That went forth that described this whole scenario of I was turned mm-hmm. to a beast. I was in my palace. I, this dream happened. I got the interpretation. Literally, I was mm-hmm. in my palace, and the words left my lips, and then I heard a voice from heaven, a, a loud a voice telling me that this is what was getting ready to happen, <laughs> and then he, he proceeds to tell everything a what happened. later, right? I, I chose not to heed it. And right. Then and, yeah. and then he, he goes on telling, and the cultivation, I mean, the culmination of it was because I didn't acknowledge God and exalt him. This is what happened to me. But as soon as my mind came back to me and I looked up and said, God, you know, exalted God, then my kingdom was restored and God gave me more honor and things of that nature. So just because the simple fact that Nebuchadnezzar left writings that the kings would often go through and how God handled it, I can say there's accountability. So from that standpoint, he did not the loving, tender father that we hope to be as parents. And I love that you said that. Mm-hmm. He did. I, I doubt he got that one because Nebuchadnezzar lived the bulk of his life as himself being God. And then as he got later on, you know, God dealt with things in in him. And so he probably didn't get the full father to father. But the the writings that the king left behind, I would expect that he did, and especially since God held him accountable for it. Because we know our father, even when we look at Nineveh, they were living wickedly and doing all these things. And God said, Jonah, go talk with them and let them know in 40 days, if they don't turn around, they're going to be dealt with. And God sent them a warning because they didn't know him like the children of Israel knew him. Mm-hmm. And even to us, when we don't know God like we should, he sends to us an opportunity to turn around and go the other direction. But the fact that judgment came forth lets you know that he didn't hearken unto the counsel that God gave him in whatever standpoint or however God measures it. Somehow he missed that marker and chose not to do what he should do. So, um, yeah, I'm not saying that he lacked accountability to that. Oh, okay. No, no, okay. No, I'm saying that when we say things like um, he saw what his father did, we don't know that. All right. I get what you're saying. So we we have to be really, you know, we we need to handle God's word well because Mm -hmm. it doesn't say that. It's like um, I've heard so many uh, people preach on the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. And they talk about, yeah, and the son went out and he spent all his money on prostitutes and all this stuff. That's not what the word says. Now, his brother, when the father is speaking to the brother that stayed at home, Mm -hmm. the brother makes mention of that, that that's Mm -hmm. what his impression of what absolutely happened, but we aren't told that's what happened. The prodigal son—that's not what we were told that happened. So we have to be really careful how we handle God's word, and that's all I'm saying. All right. So, so and then we, that's what I'm saying. I'm not mm-hmm. surprised mm-hmm. that Belshazzar took the actions he did because I doubt his father did those things. I know for mm-hmm. myself, you make reference to the writings that the king left behind. So, um, being brought up in a home where we went to church, but there was nothing of the things of God. Beyond that, mm-hmm. so there was a knowledge of who he was, mm-hmm. but there was no there was no relationship whatsoever, and it wasn't lived out. There was no reading of the Bible in the house. There was no desire to know the things of God outside of the 
hour and 15 minutes we spent, and you know, I'm running out the door as quick as I can mm-hmm. at the end of the service, mm-hmm. was there. So I made an assumption that, well, when I came to a saving knowledge of Christ, I'm going to do different than my, my parents did. So we'll talk of the things of God in the home, but we didn't sit down and specifically teach them to the children and with the, with the desire to impart those to them. Absolutely. And then we sent them to private school assuming they would get those things, mm-hmm. and they didn't. Or at least they're not manifest as of now. So an assumption that even a writing would end up making an influence on my child would be one I, would, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to right. encourage someone to do. It, it, it is a deliberate impartation, like you referenced, with Solomon to his son. Abraham, absolutely. Again, that's, we, we're assuming that he had conversations with his son about that as well as wrote them down. But we clearly are referenced that David did bring some of those things to Solomon through conversation. Yes. And that's what has... That's, Absolutely. That intimate, we, the Father wants to have intimate fellowship with us, Absolutely. to lead and guide us, to grow and mature in Him, and we need to emulate that with our children. Absolutely, and we can't take any of it to chance and assume any of it, right? Especially so, when it comes to the things of God. Absolutely. So we don't know the I extent of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar's exact relationship and interaction. Yeah, but he mm-hmm. certainly was fully accountable. Absolutely. Yeah, and if if his father hadn't written anything, because all of us are accountable, because all creation, we say all creation cries out. You can't deny the existence of God. Absolutely. And exactly. get away with that when you stand before him. That's not going to fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Another thing I found Amen. interesting is looking over this. Right? Thank you, Dean. Yes, I thank you. I appreciate that. Is the interaction, if you will, between Belshazzar and the astrologers, Chaldeans, soothsayers, right, all this which is very different from his father. In um, Daniel 2, chapter 2, and in Daniel 4, um, where is it? He addresses them. Uh, it's, it's in chapter 2 and in chapter 4, right? He, Verse 9. Yes. He calls, for, <laughs> he calls for, for those groups, those both times. This is Nebuchadnezzar. And how he interacts with them is very different than how Belshazzar interacts with them it's threatening threats and murder and right like oh, if yeah. you don't tell me what this is like well, you're just you gonna get tell it. both what dream i had right for the first one that's, <laughs> in, that's in chapter all two all right and then and the second one more, actually both of them it's kind of the same thing it's like you better tell me or else like that's tell me everything the, you know your life's at stake or you're gonna get it but yeah. here belshazzar takes the complete other thing and just says i'll reward you like and whether that was because of um, well, I, I can't even say it's because of just what he just experienced and saw with his own eyes in the flesh, right? Because, yes, Nebuchadnezzar had, had dreams or a night vision, as it's defined mm-hmm. or stated here. It's still a an experience that he had and clearly felt the impact of that for some time. So similar, uh, I'm not saying that. Nebuchadnezzar was weak in the knees and all that other stuff, right? But he lost sleep over it. He did lose sleep, right? So it clearly troubled him. Mm-hmm. But you see, uh, almost like the the Balaam thing. Hey, do this, and I'll bless you, right? Like I'll pay you to give oh, okay. me a good word, okay. if you will, right? The, the king what, there would. What Balak said to Balaam. Yes, exactly. You you almost see that same thing played out here. It's a, it's a the opposite approach of what his father took with the same people, almost like looking to to gain favor and. I don't want to say that he was okay with being lied to, but clearly he wanted an answer and was willing to go to any length. You know, I just find it interesting that it is 
the opposite approach to how his father. So he had a sweet, <laughs> sweet approach, you know, sweet right. approach, or, or pot, anything to, to buy, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, a word and um, mm-hmm. and the interpretation. But um, so I just find that interesting. But isn't it funny how it's the same pattern so many of us choose? We rely on ourselves first, right. then the world's wisdom, and then when all that fails, oh, God, what have you got to say about it? Right? And it's a pattern here, right? He did his own pride, mm-hmm. then he mm-hmm. goes for the worldly wisdom, then, oh, oh, maybe we should ask this man of God, maybe he can help me, you know? Right. And and I love, this is the thing, you know, too, because you see with the queen, so his wife, Bel, Belshazzar's wife, it is important to have a, uh, or you see the importance of a, a Good, a wise spouse. That's here. Proverbs 32, chapter 17, isn't it? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thou shalt listen 31. to thy wife. No, I was like, Proverbs 32. I was like, <laughs> There is no Proverbs 32. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll go with that. I get it. Yes, I understood the joke. Yes, but Proverbs 31, right? Like, there's, well, there's wisdom in that. And that's also how the Lord designed for it to be. And also why we, right, listen, should listen to our wives. Like, there is, they are our helpmate. For a reason, right? A helper suitable for their purpose, right? We don't always get it right, and that's that's part of why <laughs> the reason the Lord has us walk together, right? Uh, to help each other out, to help each other, admonish each other, to grow in the things of the Lord. And now, how often this happened, it, it doesn't say, right? But in this instance, his wife is, reminds him, hey, these there's this person, and this is who he was to your father. And... This happened countless times or, or whatever, right? The, this event, he was able to interpret these dreams, solve the riddles, and, and explain his enigmas, right? Mm-hmm. So call on him, and he'll probably be able to do this, mm-hmm. which I find amazing. So and she had no doubt that he would be able to do it. Right, that. exactly. You know, in, in the previous times when he came, it was a question of what he was going to be able to do, and she had no doubt. Now Dan, let now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. He will so give it. Yes, she was very confident in that for some reason, and so that's that's pretty interesting. Exactly, but you know, uh, I'll say it in this way: we should have that same confidence in the Lord, not in a person, mm-hmm. right? But in the Lord to provide the answer to whatever it is. That's right. Especially when. We know the Lord speaks through a person, right? And, and I'm not saying just trust the word of the Lord through somebody blindly, right? By all means, seek the Lord on it. But the Holy Spirit is going to minister that with your spirit. You're going to know this is truth, this is from the Lord, or it's not, right? Separ- again, as we were discussing earlier, separating the holy from the profane. But you see here the trust that the word of the Lord through this person was going to be the word of the Lord, that it was going to be the answer. And we, and this is, you know, I'll say it as an example of something we can all learn from. Trust the Lord to provide the answer mm-hmm. in any area and aspect of our life. Because mm-hmm. he will do it. Because he loves us. All of us. Mm-hmm. Everybody. He loves us equally. Mm-hmm. That he does. Well, you, you mentioned the queen, but as you're saying that, I remember um, what is culturally taking place at that time and not having been brought up in a kingdom it's difficult for us sometimes to understand that mm-hmm. but um my version says the queen hearing the voices of the king and his nobles came into the banquet hall mm-hmm. so she wasn't in his presence mm-hmm. then she came into his presence mm-hmm. uninvited which That's was right. a no-no right Absolutely. And we see so that you did not Esther. nobody came mm-hmm. before the king 
unless they were invited into his presence. That's and that's right. why she immediately goes in. I believe that's why she made the king live forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she moves into this other thing. So mm-hmm. um, we need to remember, I would take that as a reminder, we need to remember to be bold in directing people to the Lord as well, too. Absolutely. And that the, sometimes we have to stand up, which would go back to mm-hmm. Esther and all the mm-hmm. right, all these other, mm-hmm. it lines up with other scripture. But um, we don't want to miss that because she was, she was taking a chance, Absolutely. stepping out to speak up for directing him to the things of the Lord. Amen. Thank Amen. you. That's You're right absolutely. about that. So let's be bold for the Lord and trust him. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, let's pause there for, for today. All right. Can I get a volunteer to close us out in prayer? Anyone? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I will, I will take that. Was there anything on anybody's heart that you wanted to pray about in particular, in particular, um, in addition to the families that we were talking about earlier? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just families and, okay. and marriages especially. Okay. We should pray for marriage as well. That's, uh, that's uh, I mean, the Lord is the foundation of any, any marriage and family. Mm-hmm. He's the head and the foundation, right? But if there is going to be division, it starts first with it does division. Satan, the enemy, would attack the parents first, and in so doing, try to divide the household. So mm-hmm. it starts with the parents, and the, I'll say the tone, the standard that they set. Mm-hmm. And well, children aren't there to learn for themselves or by themselves. Mm-hmm. They and they need parents, parents plural. To teach them, to guide them, to show them the way, the truth, and the life, which is only found in Christ. That's right. All right. I'll let you take care of the marriage, and then I'll come in for the families. Sounds good. All right, go ahead. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Mm. Yes, God. For who you are. Yes, Jesus. The creator of heavens and earth. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the God of relationships. Yes, Lord. First with you, and then with your people our neighbors. Lord, we come before you as sons, as daughters, as heirs, joint heirs with Christ. We come boldly before your throne and we ask you, or we lift up, we intercede for for families, and in particular marriages, Lord. Lord, you're the only one that can undo some of the things that we've done. Nothing is impossible for you. So we thank you and praise you for that. We ask for healing and restoration in marriages, Lord. Ones that you have put together. And to lead us and guide us in our marriages. That they would be pleasing to you. That we would honor you and our spouses. And if, for those that aren't married yet, Lord, you already know who the spouses are that you have picked. Help lead and guide them into the choice that you have made, mm-hmm. the plan and the path that you have for even those, the young ones, that will get married at some point. Yes. We ask you for your divine plan, guidance, and intervention. Thank you. Lord, we cast down every vain imagination and every yes. word that's been spoken 
against marriage, whether it's been us or others, cursing marriages, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pull down those words, cast them to the ground, that they have no effect and bear no fruit. In the name of Jesus. We trust you, Lord. Your word and what you have spoken is done. Lord, we ask for forgiveness Mm -hmm. for the the words or the actions that we've spoken that are contrary to yours. Mm-hmm. We forgive ourselves and we forgive others. Yes, Lord. And we choose to move forward mm-hmm. in you and in your plan. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we just lift up the families to you, God, the children of every household that belongs to you, Lord. And we thank you for the covenant that their parents have made with you, Jesus Christ. And, and it we know that it doesn't matter to you at what point they made this covenant, but that now there is an inherent blessing upon their children, their lineage, Lord God. And we just honor you today, and we recognize you as a God who is almighty, whose hand is not short or slack, and there's nothing too hard for you, Jesus. And we just thank you for those children, whether they be young or old. And we glorify your name, Lord, and we just magnify you in this situation. We ask you to minister to their hearts and their minds, and we surround them with faith, hope, and with love, God, and we thank you for your compassion for them, God, and we ask you to let it rest upon them, Jesus. We ask you to minister to their hearts, God. Minister to their minds, Jesus, so that they look up and see you and know that you are good and that you are calling unto them, that they be willing to open the door and able to open the door and let you in, Jesus Christ. We plead the blood of Jesus over them right now in the name of Jesus. From the top of their head to the soles of their feet, over their vehicles, over their houses, God, over their beds and their pillows, over the the front, back, top, bottom, side to side, inside and out of their homes and their cars and their classrooms and every place that they will go and be in Jesus. And we just ask you to meet them there. Send laborers to them, God, to minister your hope to them, Jesus. Minister your hope, Holy Spirit. Minister your grace, Holy Spirit, to their hearts and their minds. Guard their feet and keep them from stumbling. Preserve them and keep them along the way, God. Go ahead and make it harder for them to sin and make it easier for them to see you, God, and look up and know that you are the most high God and you are their Messiah who they need. Lord, let their hearts be soft and tender to cry out to you, Jesus. And we thank you now for it being done. We already receive it by faith. We take it. And for the parents whose hearts and minds are upset or in anguish concerning their children, God, let them be at rest. Let them come into bold confidence in you, Jesus Christ, being fully persuaded that what you started in them, you're able to perfect in their children and amongst their lineage and their generations and their generations, God. You are the keeper of mercy. You are the keeper of grace, and you don't run short, and you have not run out of it, God. So we just honor you. We glorify you. We say hallelujah, and thank you for those new ones coming into your kingdom right now, Jesus. And we give you all the praise, all the glory, and the honor. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. 
remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.